Hey readers, welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Podcast. I'm your host, Logan. Today is day number 39, and we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 28 and 29 today. But before we get started, let's pray and ask that God would guide our hearts as we open up his word. Today's prayer is entitled, Breathing in Grace. It's by Philip Doddridge, and it can be found in the book, Piercing Heaven, Prayers of the Puritans by Robert Elmer. Ever-blessed fountain of natural and spiritual life, I thank you that I live and that I may live a faith-filled life. I bless you that you breathe into me your own living breath. Though I was once dead in my sins, now I have become a living soul in a sense that is unique to your own children. But I do not want to just live. I want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I beg you to form my mind in the image of faith. Do not let me misunderstand grace, measuring my growth in grace by a natural yardstick. Let me experience your love even more with unreserved resignation to your wise and holy will and a greater care for others. Strengthen my soul as you help me grow in patience and humility and zeal and in a heavenly attitude. Give me a concern to be accepted by you. Whether I live or die, let everything I do be for your glory. You know I hunger and thirst after righteousness. Make me into whatever you want me to be. Draw your image on my soul. By the gentle influences of your spirit, trace every feature which your eye, O Heavenly Father, may enjoy and which you may see as your own image. I know I'm not yet where I should be. I'm far from being already perfect. But after the great example of the apostle, I forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Feed my soul by your word and by your spirit. Then I will be born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, even by your word, which lives and abides forever. As a newborn babe, I desire the sincere milk of the word that by it I may grow. And may my progress be obvious to all until I finally reach maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And after having enjoyed the pleasure of those that flourish in your courts below, I will come to live in the paradise above. I ask and hope this through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. All right, well, here we go with Exodus chapter 28 and 29. But before we get started, I would love to see you listening to this podcast. Yeah, I know. If you're on our Facebook group, I might be able to see your profile picture or something like that. But I'd love for you to post either there or anywhere you'd like to on social media 
a picture of you listening to the podcast. What's your routine? You do it while you're on a walk? Are you uh, sitting down at your desk with your Bible in hand? How are you listening to the podcast? I'd love to see it. So post out there on social media your picture or video clip with the hashtag DBR podcast. That's hashtag DBR podcast. All right, I've got my English Standard Version Bible open. Let's get started. Chapter 28. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges, so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it, and be of one piece with it, of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment in skilled work. In the style of the ephod you shall make it of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen shall you make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth. You shall set it in four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row, and the second row an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond, and the third row a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst and the fourth row, a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. You shall make for the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold, and you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And you shall put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. 
the two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of filigree, and so attach it in front to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold, and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece, on its inside edge next to the ephod, and you shall make two rings of gold and attach them in front to the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod, at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastpiece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breastpiece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place, to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. You shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. It shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it, with a woven binding around the middle, like the opening in a garment, so that it may not tear. On its hem you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem, with bells of gold between them a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, so that he does not die. You shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban, it shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall weave the coat in checker work of fine linen, and you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make a sash embroidered with needlework. For Aaron's sons, you shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty, and you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Chapter 29 Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd, and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket, and bring them in the basket, and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod 
and the ephod and the breastpiece, and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head, and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil, and pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons, and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes, and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall take part of the blood of the bull, and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull, and its skin and its dung, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then you shall take one of the rams, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram, and take its blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, and wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and its head, and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of that ram. And you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the tips of the right ears of his sons and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the great toes of their right feet and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and his sons' garments with him. He and his garments shall be holy and his sons and his sons' garments with him. You shall also take the fat from the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and the right thigh for it is a ram of ordination, and one loaf of bread, and one cake of bread made with oil, and one wafer out of the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord. You shall put all these on the palms of Aaron and on the palms of his sons, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Then you shall take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before the Lord. It is a food offering to the Lord. You shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination and wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering that is waved and the thigh of the priest's portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination from what was Aaron's and his son's. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel, for it is a contribution. It shall be a contribution from the people of Israel from their peace offerings, their contribution to the Lord. The holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them 
and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest, who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place, shall wear them seven days. You shall take the ram of ordination and boil its flesh in a holy place. And Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. They shall eat those things with which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration. But an outsider shall not eat of them, because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten, because it is holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. Through seven days shall you ordain them, and every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. Also you shall purify the altar when you make an atonement for it, and shall anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar shall become holy. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs, a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And with the first lamb, a tenth saya of fine flour, mingled with a fourth of a hen of beaten oil, and a fourth of a hen of wine for a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and shall offer it with a grain offering and its drink offering, as in the morning, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you, to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel, and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. As we switch from the tabernacle to the priestly garments, it's like God is changing shows from flip this tent to say yes to the ephod here on HGTV. I guess that might stand for Holy God TV or something like that. Well, he's finished his description of the tabernacle, and now he's setting up the priesthood, what they wear, how they set themselves apart to be about God's business. And if you remember back to the 12 tribes of Israel, even if you don't remember all the 12's name, you should remember that Levi was one of those sons. Moses and Aaron both came from this household, and now God is going to call Aaron and his sons out from among their brothers to be priests before God. This family, known as the Levites, will be devoted to the service of the tabernacle and later the temple. They will be special enough that God isn't going to even give them an allotment of land when they get to the promised land. Uh, rather, the temple service is their allotment. Joseph will end up getting a double portion through his two sons, and the Levites will get certain cities throughout the land. But we'll get there. Today, 
God's focus is on what they will wear when they approach the holy place for service and how they will purify themselves to be prepared to offer that acceptable service to God. And today, we just walk right into church with little concern of what we have done before we come in the room. But what if you were forced to shower and dress in special clothes, then kill an animal and rub its blood on your ear, your right thumb, and your right big toe? Most of you probably wouldn't even bother coming to church then, right? But it might just make you feel like the thing inside was special if you have to go through all of this to make sure that when you open the door, you don't die. A few notes about the garments. The, the priest wore the names of the 12 tribes on his shoulders near his heart on the breastplate. He was coming close to the presence of God on behalf of all the people, not just the Levites. And he stood before God as a representative of all of God's people. And part of the outfit was also a pair of stones called the Urim and Thummim. Now, these stones are a mystery, but they are most likely sacred lots that were used for divining the will of God, possibly two stones, a black one and a white one, representing a yes and a no, that were kept in a bag. And when an answer was needed from God, the priest would get an answer by drawing out one of these two stones. And this isn't random chance, if you're tempted to think of it that way. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33 says that the lot is cast into the lap. A lot is kind of like a dice, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so if these two stones are being pulled out of this bag, the answer that comes from the bag, from the Urim and the Thummim, is not random. God controls everything down to the number that shows up on a dice or the stone that gets pulled out of this sacred bag. Regardless, these two stones, they're only mentioned a handful of times in the Bible, and they disappear during the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians in 586 BC, along with the Ark of the Covenant. And that meant that when Nehemiah and others returned to reestablish worship after the exile to rebuild the temple, it was always incomplete. This is because all of these things, the tabernacle, the priesthood, the Urim and the Thummim, these clothes, they are all shadows of the living temple, the new and better high priest who came to represent all of God's people in his sacrifice. John chapter 1 verse 14 declares that the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and he literally tabernacled among us. Also notice that at the bottom of the priest's robe are bells interspersed in between these colorful pomegranates. Those bells would jingle and jangle as the priest moved about the holy place to let people outside know that he hadn't died you know, there's an old story that's been passed down. Uh, I've heard it before from sermons and pastors about a rope being tied to the high priest's leg so that if he died inside, they could retrieve his body by reeling him in. But we don't actually find that story anywhere in the Bible or in Jewish literature, either commanded or in practice. It's likely just something that people have inferred from the presence of the bells and the possibility of death if he approached the holy place in an unworthy manner. 
It's a good story about the holiness of God and how serious this event was. Now, chapter 29 goes into the detail about the sacrifices that the high priest would make. The first of the processes listed is intended to set the priest apart as holy or to consecrate him. Then they are ready to enter the holy place to make the daily sin offerings for the people in the morning and at twilight. And notice, he's still not entering the most holy place. He's not going close to the Ark of the Covenant. That is only going to happen once a year on the Day of Atonement, and we'll learn more about it as we get into Leviticus a little bit later. Now, you might wonder why they spend all this time getting clean just to sprinkle blood on themselves. Well, according to God's standard, the blood of that innocent animal was just enough to temporarily cover the sins of the people, to turn away God's wrath, so these unholy men may be able to come near to God. That's why they put the blood on their ear and their thumb and their big toe, because those are the furthest extremities of the body that would have been exposed while they wore the priestly garments. They are covered in the blood fully, not just in the place that they think is dirty, but all over. But notice that all of this has a purpose. We see that purpose in the last couple of verses that we just read. It says, I will dwell among the people of Israel, and I will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. The beautiful thing here is that the God of the universe wants to come near and live among his people. These people who grumble and complain and who sin against him and profane his name, he wants to be near to them so much that he makes a way so that his people might know him. God is going to finish this story in the coming of Jesus as the perfect way to come near to God. I hope that you know Jesus today as the way, the truth, and the life, because today we don't come to the Father through the blood of bulls and goats, but through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He is the sacrifice that allows us to enter the presence of God as he takes away our sin and nails it to the cross and trades us his righteousness so that we stand in God's presence with the full rights of children before the Father. Thank you for being with me today. I look forward to having you here tomorrow as God's instructions to Moses are cut short by the idolatry of the people And God nearly decides to wipe them all out and just start over fresh with Moses. This God is holy, and he's not one to be messed with. Until then, keep reading.